0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles and turn with me this evening to First Peter. And I want you to look with me in verse or chapter two. First of all, I want to share some things with you tonight that probably um, is is a different flair to uh, the the normal. Realm in which I teach or speak, but I, I do want to share a couple of things with you um, concerning the the turmoil that our our country is in today, and uh, to share some personal thoughts, not necessarily in from a political mode. That's that's not who I am or what I am, but but i do think that there is significant spiritual aspects to what we as believers are going through what we face what we see today what we contend with and uh, i do want to share some things with you along those lines because it fits perfectly with what peter's talking about in second peter or first peter chapter 2 when he's talking about in verse number 13, to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And uh, even though that our main verse tonight predominantly picks up with verse number 17, I do want to, because of some serious ramifications that have taken place in the last week uh, in our country, I want to make a couple of statements uh, with you along those lines. In In this passage of Scripture, and we have been here for a few weeks talking about this predominant theme that Peter is writing under. In the day that he was writing, as you know, if I have told you once already, it's been at least a dozen times, maybe more, of the adverse circumstances that he was writing. And it was truly a barbaric time when he penned these words, the person in charge of the government surrounding his life and how he was affected was Nero. Nero was a, a brutal, barbaric, anti-Christian type of an individual. He had absolutely no reservation of persecuting the church and uh, Christians by the hundreds and, Not only in uncomprehendable ways, but he did it a lot of times for his pure amusement. And so it it was a very difficult day. And so when the Holy Spirit moved upon Peter's heart to pen these particular words, and he comes to a place like verse number 13 that says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I hope that I have done this just a little justice anyway, that you can comprehend the adversity that he was in and that what was swarming around his life when he penned these words. And so we ought to, as believers, for the Lord's sake... We ought to obey the laws of the land. We we may not agree with who's in the White House. We we may not agree with uh, what's, what's happening in various places. But as long as, and this is what I want to emphasize tonight, as long as what is being done or I should better say it this way what is being required of us does not require us to abandon our faith then we do need to be respectful and even even in dire straits we need to be respectful we need to be christian in all circumstances, for the Lord's sake. Let me say this first of all, because I don't know how many of you have been watching the news lately and the the new trends that have surfaced on this country uh, from different groups and organizations. Primarily this week concerning and revolving around the issue of abortion. And this this is not just about a woman's right to her body. We believe that. I mean, truly, we should all have the freedom within our own personal lives uh, to govern ourselves especially as a believer under the ordinance of the Lord. But you, you may not realize that what was at stake just today, just today, what was at stake in this country had a particular vote on another way. Five hundred laws would have been nullified, would have been erased off of the books like that. And had it not been for a certain uh, senator in West Virginia, it, it would have been devastating. As you think about what's happening in our, in our country today, and because of these issues that are snowballing and the violence that's associated with it, and the struggles that are presented to some of our leaders and judges and governors and people in respect. One of the reasons I'm mentioning this is because in verse 14, the Bible says, not only give give respect uh, to every ordinance of man, but in verse 14 says, or unto governors, So in the land that we live in, there are astronomical ramifications that take place every day that you and I as normal citizens perhaps will never have a voice in on some type of floor that is receiving nationwide or worldwide acclaim. And I thank God for the people that that God has raised up to fill those places and to do those things. Not everybody could do that. And it takes an enormous amount of bravery to do it. But I will tell you this. Um, I, in fact, I made a few comments today in my daily advanced prayer and praise. And I hope that you've taken time by now to read that uh, because it it probably will go an edge further than what I I want to share with you tonight. But here's the thing. From the opening pages of Scripture to the closing aspect of Revelation, God puts a high premium on the sanctity of life. From the womb to the elderly. And it's important that we respect that. And so my admonishment tonight is this, that yes, these words that Peter wrote are in fact inspired and they are given to us with stern admonishment and instruction. And we as a believer ought to adhere to it. We have an obligation because he says in another place, Peter, he says, it's better to obey God rather than man. Now, now where, where does the fine line come in? Because in Peter's day, they were actually, before this was written, they were actually forbidding him and John primarily to speak and preach in the name of Jesus. Now they had a choice. To obey that ordinance of man, or whether or not they were going to take a stand and exercise their faith as the three Hebrew children did, facing the fiery furnace of King Nebuchadnezzar, or... Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, there comes a place and point in time from these people of Scripture where they had to stand. They had to stand in the gap, and they had to make critical, life-changing decisions that ultimately could have taken their lives. But they decided to stand. And uh, the three Hebrew children said very confidently, They really did not know what God was going to do in this predicament. However, they said one thing is for sure. We are not going to obey this ordinance of man. We are not going to bow down to this image in the plain of Doer Before every eye that was there beholding them, they were not going to do that. Even though that was the law of the land, that was required of them, that was an ordinance of man. So I want to tell you tonight that we we do have a responsibility to obey the ordinances that are given to us by the governors, by those in authority. We have to respect authority as long as what is being required of us does not compel us or demand or dictate to us that we abandon our faith. Now, what does that mean? Let me share with you, this is, this is a few ways how people abandon their faith. And this, these things, I've, I've jotted down five things in my study prep for tonight. There, there are five, and I'm sure I could give you a truckload more, but for the sake of time and where we are this evening, I want to give you a couple of reasons why how this, this happens, how people abandon their faith. Number one, people abandon their faith by not having a strong Christian foundation to begin with. And this is why it's important. I was preaching Sunday how important we read that scripture in Titus chapter 2, primarily in verses 1 through 5. And the responsibility in verse 2 The word is talking about how the aged men need to be seasoned and fruitful and teach the younger men. But in verse number four, the Bible gives us, in what we were talking about Sunday for Mother's Day, a clear picture of how the older women need to teach the younger women. And this world is is going further off the edge into the realm of insanity every day. And here's the thing our younger folks, our younger adults, our teenagers, our children are not going to know where to line up, especially from the Word of God, if we don't teach them. We have to teach them. And and here's the thing, it's, it's not, as I said Sunday, it's not just Listen, it's not just about an Awana program on Wednesday nights. It's not just about... uh, There there, there were some young adults here. and By the way, we have a visiting family who was here on Sunday morning. We have first-time visitors here on Sunday morning who are now in the connected class tonight. But we have some young families that were here Sunday morning that are not here tonight. It's up in the air about Sunday morning coming up. And I will tell you this, we cannot depend on the internal mechanisms, primarily our staff or our teachers here. We cannot depend upon an Iwana night, Wednesday night program to, to put our kids on the straight and narrow on the path they need to be on and, and think, well, we brought them to the Iwana program or we brought them to the youth group or, uh, and, and expect it to work out. It's not going to happen like that. It take it will take diligent training and instruction and teaching in your home. The church really needs to be a supplement. It needs to be uh, in addition to what you're you're doing around your kitchen table or your coffee table, wherever it is you 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 have church in your home, where you have your family devotions. Your family has got to be taught, and so I believe one reason that people are so quick to abandon their faith is because they do not have a strong Christian foundation. Another thing I wrote down here is one of the most easiest forms of abandoning, abandoning the faith is when people begin to forsake their church attendance. We we have to remember the scripture still in the word, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And so there, there is a strong admonishment for us to be in the house of the Lord. And not just from a duty standpoint, not just because that's what we do upon the first day of the week. Uh, the, the church got together, as we find in the infancy of the New Testament, that's wonderful, and we are to come on the first day of the week. That's why we're not Seventh-day Adventists, by the way. We believe that Sunday is a Lord's day, and that's why we come. We assemble ourselves together. The Word says, forsake not that, as the manner of some is. But here is the thing. Some people abandon their faith because it becomes religion to them, and, and, and it's okay whenever whenever it works out but in today's world what we're facing in a country in our country as we are facing things tonight this very moment as i speak and we have people acting like demoniacs in front of the supreme court justices homes it, it, this is just one thing and we know there are thousands upon thousands the truth of the matter is In order to keep our eyes on the prize, not just from a duty standpoint, but an accountability standpoint, we need to be in the house of God. And when people abandon the house of God, believe me, they will soon be contenders to abandon the faith. I wrote down something. I wrote down five things. Number three is this. When people believe it's better to live a life without God, when people think God has made this thing of serving him, God has made this thing of following him, God has made this thing about loving him too difficult. I don't need that stress. I don't need that drama. I I don't need all that stuff in my life today. And so I'm not going to do it. Believe me, it's a seed that Satan will plant in your mind, in your heart, in your life, that ultimately will lead to an abandonment of the faith. Number four, I wrote down, when people begin to enjoy the pleasures of sin more than the things of God. And we are reminded of that so well in the New Testament. I was reading a story, a very true story, about a man who had a son who was on death row. His son was about ready to face an execution for some of the horrendous and heinous crimes that he had committed. And the father was being interviewed prior to his son's execution. And in tears, this is what the father said. He said, I don't understand it. He said, every single Sunday morning. So there was a very special place we always loved to go. And we would catch some of the biggest fish you've ever seen. And he and I had such a great time fishing on the lake. And every Sunday morning, I had him out there on the lake. And we were fishing. And we had a wonderful time. We laughed and joked. We caught some fish. We cooked some fish. And I got to thinking about that as the story broadened itself. And that's this. It's a wonderful thing to have family time and, and to enjoy one another, and I'm not against an ounce of that. But I will tell you, when we get to the place where we start enjoying the pleasures of life more than we do about enjoying the honeycomb of God's Word and the church, We're tilted towards tragedy. And number five, I jotted down this, and that is one of the things that causes people to abandon their faith, get out of church, is when they are so prone or easy to get their feelings hurt. Sometimes when people get their feelings hurt, they say, well, I ain't going back there. That sister, I don't think she's saved. And that brother... I just cannot believe he he did this or did that. And so what happens is uh, to provide excuses, because, listen, there are dime a dime dozen, but to provide excuses of all sorts and magnitudes. They say, well, I'm offended, and I'm not going... These are just, listen, five of thousands I could give you real quick in our limited time tonight. If you give the devil a crack of light... He'll take a country mile with it. So these are some of the things that lead to the abandonment of our faith. But but let's bring this down to earth for us here tonight, because you're here, there's no doubt. It's been said so well ages ago that the backbone of the church is the Wednesday night crowd. I, I tend to believe that. Now, I know that there are people that can't be here tonight because of sickness and obligations and hospitals, and I wanted to tell you this. Speaking of hospitals, Brother Robert Christian, he fell days ago and he was in Johnston Willis Hospital, and they have just moved him to sheltering arms and short pumps. So we need to remember, Bob, Christian, and Sister Ollie was telling me this morning that these recently have been so overwhelming that they have not had sufficient amount of sleep. Or the Bob is a little depressed, as you can imagine. He cannot walk like he wants to, and um, just on and on. So I realize there are things of this thing, and 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 I'm not putting those things in this basket because we have to be reasonable about it. But when it comes down to this thing as believers and what Peter's writing in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 13, submit yourselves to everyone as a man, for the Lord's sake, wh- where do we draw the line? Let's, let's, let's go another route now tonight. Where do we draw the line as a believer? I, I, I realize how things happen, and I've just given you five generic reasons how things can happen that causes us to take our eyes off the prize but where do we draw the line in this passage as peter said in another place we will not cease to speak in the name of jesus you let us out of here we're going right back to the street corner get right back on the soapbox, and we're going to preach jesus crucified risen and coming again So where do we draw the line as believers? Because we as a a Christian people need to obey the laws of the land as long as it doesn't require us to abandon our faith. Now, I'm saying this part tonight because when we get into chapter 3, the Bible talks about wives being in subjection to their own husbands, but, but there is a line there there There's a big line we have lines in our life, we have boundaries, and we're going to be talking about those things. so in this retrospect where is the line for us if we're taught to obey the ordinance of men for the lord's sake, we may not agree with it we We may not have voted for it, we may not agree with it, but for the Lord's sake, we have a responsibility as long as it does not require us to abandon our faith. Now, so the question is, this, could the government ever ask us to abandon our faith? Of course they can. I believe that if the government ever told us that we could no longer preach that Jesus was the only way, because it offends so many other religions and ideologies and philosophies and creeds. Well, you think about that just for one minute. Because we we as a Christian people, we believe that this book is the inspired word of God. As a believer, we're, we're taught, we're moved to believe every word of it. Scripture says the word is settled in heaven forever. The word will not return void. The word is sharper than any two edged sword. All scripture is given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We believe those things, and that's not a preference with me. I don't stand up here preaching preferences, I stand up here preaching with burning passions and convictions. Conviction is the main thing. You see, I'm not going to go to jail because of a preference. But I could and would go if somebody told me I could no longer preach the conviction of my soul. And if somebody said you can no longer preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven because it's too offensive, it's too politically correct. Well, see, this this is where the line is drawn. And this is where, as long as they don't require us to abandon our faith... You know, believe me, I cannot tell you the adversity and the stress that I personally preached under when COVID first came out. And the former governor said, no more than 10 people in the church. I'm telling you right now. I probably had the biggest problem in Richmond with that. In my head, in my heart, in my will. That's what he said. And so when we came to the church, and we had to do the whole thing on the internet, and I had these young guys back here helping me with the media, and I had the singers up here, and, but, and nobody in the church, nobody in the pews, had a table right here in the middle of the aisle, and had two spotlight cameras on me. And that was adversity. But I will tell you this, if they ever got to the place, say, well, you're not not going in there at all. Then then I'll take civil issue with that. If they were to tell me, listen, you cannot preach that Jesus is the only way because it's too politically correct. There's so many other religions out here and you're going to offend somebody. The truth of the matter is, as Peter said, we can only but speak in the name of Jesus. And so that's where the line is for me, and I hope it would be with you. That you wouldn't want to listen to a multiple pathway to heaven. You, you want the truth. You want the word of God. Jesus said, I'm the way. You don't want multiple ways. You want the way. Amen. So here's the thing. That's one way. Another way is this, that if they said, well, you can no longer preach the sermon that we're all sinners. Okay, so then what are we going to do with Romans 3.23? We say we're going to stop preaching that because somebody said up in Washington, D.C., that that's, that's, you, you can't do that. That's hate speech. We're not far from those things. Not far from them at all. So that, to me, is a line. I, I, can, I can do this verse. I can submit myself to every ordinance of man as long as they tell me that I can still preach this book if they ever say, listen, you got to stop preaching this Bible. Well, that's a line. That's, that's, I'm not going to abandon my faith because of that. They say you can no longer preach these truths that you believe in the Scriptures. That's a line for me. Suppose they, they knocked on my door and they said, or any other pastor's door in the area, and they said, listen, you, 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 you've you, got to have multiple people on your staff, and it doesn't matter if they're Hindus. It doesn't matter uh, if they're atheists. It doesn't matter if they're agnostics. Uh, you've got to have a certain amount of people from this crowd and certain amount here, that's not the way it works. That's a line to me. And if somebody was forcing me to do that, and I did that, I would be, in my opinion, that I would be abandoning my faith, my conviction. And so things like that is where we draw the line. So when you get to the scripture here, let me read these for you, I had no intention of speaking this long on this subject. So many other things I wanted to bring out tonight. But look again with with me at verse number thirteen. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Okay, why do we do this for the Lord's sake? The Scripture says if a man suffers as a Christian, he's he's done a good thing. The Bible warns us about bringing stuff on ourselves needlessly. But if we suffer as a Christian, it's a good thing. The word says whether it be to the king as supreme, verse 14, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. And so let me remind you of something. When, when Saul was chasing David, David was a fugitive. David could have taken his life, but he made this statement. In En in a cave, he said, When a dagger was put to Saul's throat, David said, Don't touch God's anointed. Those were powerful, serious words. Regardless of what Saul was doing at the moment, God was going to bring judgment upon him. God was going to deal with that. He was still recognized at that point as God's anointed, as Samuel had declared it. But let me say this, and we talked about Daniel just a few minutes ago. Despite the king's attempt to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, When you trace it out, regardless if it was Nebuchadnezzar, if it was Belshazzar, or if it was Darius, Daniel had to interact with all three of these guys. And Daniel's honoring these three kings, even though he didn't agree with them. Daniel honoring them, it led to remarkable changes in their life for the Lord's sake, is what the word says. And verse 17 Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. All right, now, I want us to look at verse 18. It says, servants, be subjected or be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the fraud. And so Peter now turns from Christian submission to those in authority of our everyday lives. And if you don't know what this word, froward, means, perhaps you want to put parentheses around it, underline it in your Bible, but write, write the word, word crooked. That's what it means. It, it, may, it may mean to be totally unfair and in some cases even Perverse. And so from Peter's point here, there's, it, it doesn't matter what our superiors uh, initiate. We need to give loyalty and faithful service. This primarily pertains to where you work. You, you might have a terrible boss. You might have somebody there that's in charge. that gets on your nerves every day, and if you could, you would jack them up. If you could get away with it, you'd do it. And if you didn't do it physically, believe me, you've done it in your dreams a hundred times. But what Peter is saying here, he's saying, listen, you need to be loyal. You need to give them an honest day's work for the Lord's sake. Now, verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief Suffering wrongfully, that's a hard scripture because there's there's one that I have as a footnote, and you may want to put this in your Bibles. So I love giving you cross-references because you can go back and, as you study the Word, you can go back and read these scriptures again. And then when you come up across the address and another message, another teaching, you've got a cross-reference there that you can go back and look at. But right here at this verse, in verse number 19, because it's a hard scripture I would ask you to write down Matthew chapter five and verse number thirty-nine, and let these verses blend together. But and this is this is a very difficult passage. It's a hard scripture. Matthew five thirty-nine says this: "But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, you've heard this a thousand times. The scripture says, turn to him the other." Somebody asked me a long time ago, they said, well, preacher, okay, so I'll turn the other cheek. So what happens when I turn the other cheek and they do it again? I said, well, the Bible's silent on that one. Yeah. You, you, you go ahead and turn the cheek one time and you forgive 70 times seven, as the word says. And I'm not, I'm not trying to steer you out of the word of God, but you don't have to be a doormat to anybody especially ladies, and we'll get to that. All right, I got time to read one more verse, and it's verse number 20. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, now you bring it on yourself, ye shall take it patiently, but if when you do well, and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. And so if trouble is because of your own fault, and 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 then it's very easy, it's very easy to do the math and you can understand the rebuke. But when things are not your fault and you are rebuked, always remember this. Behaving is pleasing to God. David in the scripture, he took his persecution in strides. And those strides had helped him to become a man after God's own heart. And so I want to conclude by saying this. What you see on your TV every night right now, all all of this havoc, and just carrying on, and this, these, these shoutings in and, and people's face, and all, all of this stuff, listen, tell me how an ounce of that can honor the Lord? How can any of it bring glory to His name? And isn't that what the Word teaches us? That what, whatever we do as a believer, whatever we do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at Buford Road Baptist Church.com.